Hello, hello everybody. This is Pastor Brian Wise, uh, pastor at our Savior's Lutheran Church. And if you're listening to this, you either hear me on my one podcast, which is called Taco About God. Uh, also, I produce another podcast uh, with uh, my good friend, Marnie uh, Lindbergh. And um, I'm going to be releasing this episode on both of those podcasts. So thanks for listening and uh, hope you enjoy this conversation. I am here today with a good friend of mine, Sarah Swindoll, who um, grew up at Our Saviors, is studying to be a Lutheran pastor in the ELCA, which is uh, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America that we're a part of. And um, I'm really looking forward just to catching up with her and hearing what's going on in her life and maybe her and I playing around with some issues that are happening in our world today. So Sarah, thank you for joining me. Thank you for putting this together. I'm really excited. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of you that you, you reached out to me the other day and um, thought we were, you asked me to play with some ideas about how we could talk and, and immediately I thought this, this would be a good avenue. So this might not be the end that we hear from you or that you hear from us, you know, in res to response of some of your questions, but but for me, I think there are people that listen to podcasts and that are thinking like you are thinking. And so I thought this would be a perfect place for it. Yeah, well, I'm excited for our conversation today. I think it's going to be great. Me too. So let's start with the first question is you want to share with people your kind of journey, your call story, anything like that for those who don't know you? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, forgive me if you hear my dogs like freaking out in the background. Someone just rang our doorbell. So good. sorry about that. Well, um, uh, well, obviously, we're both recording this from we're not in my office or your house. Exactly. Uh, we're recording from different places. So yeah. Mm -hmm. so um, okay. Yeah. So I have uh, been a lifelong member of Our Saviors. I was, you know, grew up in the church. I was baptized in the church. Um, <clears throat> And, uh, you know, I've been living in Naperville my whole life. Um, I grew up uh, predominantly uh, involved in, like, Eagles Wings, you know, the high mm -hmm. school choir. And um, that was really a huge connection point for me and the church and made a huge impact on my life and my relationship with God and with the church. Um, I, uh, you know, I went to Augustana College in Rock Island. And during that time, while I was uh, in college, I did a number of internships with our saviors working, you know, with Vacation Bible School and things like that. And um, just always, even when I was away at college, just always so supported by the Our Saviors community and always felt very much like a part of it. And it's my church family, you know, it's been mm -hmm. uh, always been there for me. And, uh, you know, when I got out of college, um, when I graduated, I uh, sort of putzed around for a few years <laughs> trying to figure out what to do with my English degree <laughs> and uh, ended up um, going to Slovakia right after college and, and teaching there, teaching English there. Um, Is you at, the, at the school, right? Yeah, at the school in Martin. Um, and building some relationships there, which was, you know, so life-changing uh, in That's, so many different was that ways. Scary at all? Oh yeah, let me tell you. Uh, well, I mean, the way that the whole situation came about was I was on a mission trip um, with a few college students from our saviors. We went to Slovakia the year before my, the summer before my senior year uh, at Augustana, and during that week, I was talking with the principal of, you know, the 
the elementary school and said that I was going to be graduating with a degree in English. And they flat out offered me a job on the spot to come there and teach. (laughs) (laughs) And without really thinking, I said, yes, you know, I was kind of thinking it was a joke. And then they said, oh, great. We'll send you the paperwork in May. And I was like, oh, that's real. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, My family was not, they were like happy for me, but they were also really mad at me. (laughs) Was it like a (laughs) one year, like you knew going into it that it was only going to be one year or... Um, um, was it open-ended? You could stay there for life. I could stay there for a lot longer, I think, but, okay. um, just, you know, I think my heart, it was a wonderful experience and I left pieces of myself in Slovakia. Um, but I definitely knew that my heart called me back to the U S, um, for, you know, a number of different reasons. So I did mm-hmm. only stay there for a year. Uh, and while I was in um, Slovakia, I actually applied for the youth director position at our seniors. Uh-huh. Um, and I actually applied for that job um, a couple of times, uh, twice, I think. And, you know, for whatever reasons, I didn't get the job. It was totally fine. I just figured God was calling me somewhere else. And then when Bobby Sear had the job uh, as youth director, um, she specifically sought me out one summer and you know, asked me to be involved in vacation Bible school. And she was sort of like guiding me around and introducing me to key leaders that she worked with in the job. And I was kind of suspicious, like, what is happening here? This seems really intentional. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then after vacation Bible school, she's like, I think you should apply for the the assistant youth director position. So it's like, okay, God, what are you doing? Like, Uh What are you up to? Clearly, I wasn't ready. God didn't think I was ready at that point in my life um, before that. And then, you know, whether or not I was going to apply for the position the third time around, God was going to make it happen. So so then uh, I was the assistant youth director for two years at our Saviors and working with, you know, the junior high and the high school students. Um, And it's so funny to see some that were in junior high when I was working there graduating this year. It's just like the whirlwind (laughs) from my brain. Um, But during my time there, I actually uh, was encouraged by a number of people, you included, to think about applying to seminary. And I'd never really thought of myself as pursuing like, you know, a pastoral role in the church. I knew I was called to ministry, but I wasn't, didn't really see myself in that position. And then I just sort of, said, okay, yeah, sure, what the heck, you and I went to LSTC, the Lutheran School of Theology in Chicago, which is my yes. school now, and we spent the day there, and we toured, and I fell in love with the school, and applied, and then I've been taking classes there for the past two years, and this is actually my internship year, so. So, for <clears throat> those who don't maybe know much about seminary, can you just say, like, you know, like, are you just going to class, and you're just reading the Bible every day, or... You want to maybe share what kind of classes you, because I, I don't think people actually know that you can kind of have a focus in seminary or you could just, you know, get an MDiv, you know, and so I'm not sure if you have a focus at all or not. Um, I don't know that I have like a, a set focus. I think yeah. I've crafted some of my classes to focus um, on what I might be able to utilize in youth and family ministry. Um, I've taken classes on, um, you know, teaching disciples, which is sort of like what Christian education could look like um, and different methods for that. And I've taken, obviously, classes uh, in scripture. 
um, and public church classes, which talk about a lot of different things. Um, the sort of the the concept of public church is sort of ever evolving and ever expanding. Um, but it's basically oh, like yeah. how, yeah, it's, it's it's very it's a very elusive definition of public church. But um, what I experience public church to be is sort of like how the church functions in the communities that it's serving, and what ways it serves the people there um and sort of what our responsibilities as leaders in the church as a church body what our responsibilities are to those communities um so i've taken classes about that and you know theology classes reading about you know church history and different theologians that have put out various different you know concepts and things that have evolved through uh, time as the church changes and grows and learns yeah. so it's it's a lot it's not just studying bible <laughs> yes I, I i i that that was where i was going because i know <laughs> like i had a lot of friends that um like you could gear towards urban or you know like ministry or um but but right now i think this whole public church is a huge thing that needs to be addressed because the church itself is um really changing from the way it looked um, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And so, so I think mm -hmm. it's important. So, okay. So tell Definitely. me about your, tell me about your internship. Right. So um, like you sort of addressed, there may be some people who don't know, uh, but there's a specific sort of schedule, I guess, to being a seminarian. Yeah. You spend at least three years doing classroom work you do a part-time internship, which I actually completed last year. Um, and then this year I'm spending, I'm doing, I'm completing, excuse me, my full-time internship. Before so we I'm, dive in, yeah. Before we dive into your full-time internship, will you talk about yeah. your MIC, your part-time one? Cause it's for yeah. anybody in Naperville, I think it'd be super cool to hear about. They might not know. Yeah. I was actually, um, doing my part-time uh, internship at St. Timothy's Lutheran Church in Naperville. Yeah. And um, I sort of sought that church out because I'm a commuter student to LSGC. I don't live in Chicago. I go back and forth from Naperville. Um, I wanted something that was more in the community that I'm based in and also something that was a little bit closer so I could be more, I was more accessible to that church in the community. Um, so I found St. Tim's and uh, I wasn't able to, you know, do work with our saviors simply because they're my home community and, you know, you want to expand and experience more communities. So I found St. Tim's and I worked with um, the pastors there and they were both really amazing. The Millers, no relation. Yeah. Um, and uh, did a lot of growing. It's a smaller church. It's a smaller community and really intimate. And that was sort of a big change for me coming from Our Saviors, which is, you know, a little bit of a micro mega church in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, so I got to have some experience preaching there and teaching um, confirmation classes and leading adult Bible studies and just overall being a part of the community and the things that are going on at St. Tim's. I think it's awesome so. that you, you had that opportunity kind of in your backyard and what it led us to do at our saviors was 
that St. Tim's had a, a seminary student who needed to do his part-time internship. They call that MIC. And um, so we had Justin come and be a part of our church for a little bit. The reason why uh, Justin left was he ended up changing seminaries. But um, so it was nothing that we did as a church, but it was kind of cool to have that opportunity. So I give you a lot of credit for that because that's something that I've always wanted to do was I want to have interns at our church. I would love to have seminarians at our church. And so, so I think it was cool that you were in your backyard. Yeah, it was really cool to have that experience. (laughs) So then your big internship, which is pretty much a full year, Mm -hmm. um, you want to explain where you were sent and what the year looked like and your experiences? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, there's a a few set um, sites, as we call them, or congregations or communities that interns can sort of interview with and then, you know, list their top choices and the sites list their top choices for interns. And then they sort of, you know, the seminary plays matchmaker a little bit. And I ended up at um, Augsburg University in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I'm so glad because it was my number one choice to go there, Um, you know, working uh, specifically with college age students in a campus ministry setting was so exciting. It's I feel like I had my hands on the pulse of what the church is going to look like in a couple of years. And it was just fantastic. Um, And so what I do is I actually moved to Minneapolis and I would work just as a member of the team full time there and preaching and, you know, learning and being in community with all of the college students. And what's great about Augsburg is that it wasn't just campus ministry team didn't specifically just serve the Christian community on the campus. It served everybody. Um, And it really uh, paid a lot of attention to the diverse nature of the student body um, on the Augsburg campus. You know, uh, Minneapolis, uh, Augsburg is located in Minneapolis in a really um, uh, strong Somali Muslim neighborhood. And yeah. so that that's reflected in um, the diversity of the student body. And so it's our responsibility to care and tend to the needs of those students, regardless of, you know, we might have different faith traditions, but it's still our responsibility as campus ministry to um, serve them in the ways that they need to be served. So it was really cool to get that experience and meet people from a lot of different backgrounds. And that's like the number one reason why I wanted to go to Augsburg in general was because I come from a pretty homogenous, you know, town like Naperville has been, um, It's pretty the same, Uh, and I didn't get a lot of experience with diversity growing up, so I wanted that experience uh, in my internship site. Um, And we can get we can get to that in a a second. But one thing you said made me uh, wonder: like, isn't it nice when like uh, you know, as a when people find out I'm a pastor, they're thinking that I'm going to try to sell them something that I'm trying to convert them. (laughs) And so it's kind of isn't it nice when you can break through and have a relationship with somebody of another faith tradition, and they get it that you're just uh, another human being, and they're another human being, and you're just trying to treat each other with respect and work together rather than. Um, change the person? Oh, yeah. It's it's so fun. Um, my 
office mate in the campus ministry's office uh, was a wonderful woman. Her name is Fardosa Hassan, and she was the Muslim student program coordinator. And every day in our office was like an interfaith dialogue. Like we would be talking about mm. just random things that pop up and she would laugh at the things that I say and I'd laugh at the things that she said. And we found that there were a lot of similarities between our traditions. Yeah. And there was a lot of differences, Um, but it was really fun to just have those conversations and be open to just being who we are. Like you said, without having that fear of the other person thinking we're trying to sell them something. I really just try to focus on our commonalities because like, if you get into the differences too much, like it it does feel tense. And I think it's wonderful as soon as you can build the relationship to uh, agree to disagree or to work through some of the, the differences. But, um, as soon as you realize how similar you are to an, another person, um, you really do become friends. And uh, it's one of my favorite things to do is build those relationships. So that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And one of my favorite things to do um, while I was working, well, I technically still am working at Augsburg, though mm-hmm. it's quarantine and it's all virtual. But while I was physically present on campus, one of my favorite things to do was um, to attend Friday prayer with some Muslim students. I would sit in the back and I would, you know, um, be present for their prayer and they would give, uh, you know, one of the students would give a talk very much like a sermon um, and just to listen to the message that they give and, you know, be with the students. And you're right, like you see how much we all have in common. That's Um, awesome. So it's, it's great. So you went to where I was going to go. So you um, are still on your internship, but you're in Naperville. You're not in Minneapolis. So explain with how did COVID-19 disrupt your, um, your year? Oh, geez. Um, so, uh, you know, when spring break came around um, for Augsburg, I was actually supposed to lead a um, – a trip we call it alternative spring break and I take a group of like the school takes a group of 25 students and we go somewhere and we work with Habitat for Humanity to you know help Mm -hmm. build and rebuild homes for communities in need and so we were supposed to go on that trip and it was two days away from us leaving and they told us like yeah no all all trips are canceled and spring break's going to be for two weeks until we figure things out and then we just never went back to campus. (laughs) So um, after the two week spring break ended, they declared that, you know, everyone was going to stay at home and not return to in-person classes and things were going to be virtual um, including, you know, all the work that we did as staff and all the faculty uh, as well. So, you know, learning really quickly how to do church online as a college campus (laughs) um, was a a struggle. And then, you know, obviously I'm sure you know, right? Like having to pull that stuff really quickly out of nowhere, (laughs) Um, learning how to figure out all the technology and what you can and can't do uh, with virtual church. Um, And we actually, Augsburg does chapel for 20 minutes every single day. Uh And we continued that all the way through quarantine, all the way to graduation. So we had a 20 minute chapel service online every day. And uh, it was like we were holding our breaths the whole time. Um, Just never getting a moment to just 
settle and be. Uh, and what's been interesting is we had to make sure that we complied with educational standards. So we had to make sure that everything was, you know, closed captioned and described in a way that was accessible to people who might um, have disability. And so that was, it was all um, an interesting experience to learn on the fly like that. Wow. Yeah. Were you live feeding it or how were you guys putting it out? Some of the things we did was uh, we, we did some things that were live, um, but you know, because of the standards that we had to meet, a lot of the things that we did um, were pre-recorded so we could make sure that the captions were yeah. um, present for those. But yeah. All right. So now you're at home. Mm, yes. Now I'm back in Naperville. I moved back a couple of weeks uh, toward the end of beginning of April is when I moved back to Naperville. So, yeah. And, um, um, and I, that, let's just cut to the chase too. You, you ready to reveal this? I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> let's, let's play with this idea. So you emailed me and mm -hmm. um, the question was, Hey, you know that I've been on internship in Minneapolis and basically the, the last few days um, in this city have definitely been unique. So there are a few things from um, George Floyd uh, dying um, in the hands of a, a white police officer, so a black male dying uh, because a knee was put into his head for multiple minutes um, and the, the conflict that's happening there. But also in, within the city of Naperville, there have been uh, what would you say, spray paint? Um, uh, I, I would say uh, a rise in vandalism involving vandalism. Um, white, hate speech. Uh, yeah, um, white supremacist symbols that have been painted around the city of Naperville. And mm -hmm. I thought you posed a really good question, which is, you know, uh, the story that you just told on this podcast, this is a church that has been a part of your faith a part of your growing up and that the church hasn't said anything and you you're like instead of just putting it in our court you you actually wanted to have a conversation about it and immediately i thought you know what i need to have sarah on a podcast and and i think we should talk about it um it's something mm -hmm. that i mentioned before we started recording um i'm a white male and you are a white female and that brings different perspectives but it also brings different privileges and mm -hmm. um, I think you and I have had lots of conversations about those privileges um, uh, and encouraged one another to attend anti-racism training. And um, I, I think we'll handle it well, but that we are humans and make mistakes. And I at least want to just start with that to say that uh, we are a voice. Uh, but I think our hope is to um, uh, walk with our community a little bit to uh, say, hey, what what are we saying? What could we, uh, be, besides thoughts and prayers, what do we do? And so I kind of mm. want to turn it to you to be like, what's on your mind? I, I, how are you feeling? Are you angry? Are you sad? Um, let's, let's give you a minute just to reflect on what you're seeing in uh, Minneapolis and then also uh, here in Naperville. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, I mean, this, uh, what's going on in Minneapolis, you know, the, the murder of a black man by a white police police officer. It's not the first time this has happened, right? Correct. And it's not the first time that I have felt angry and you know upset um, and pushed to action um, because of those when those things happen. Um, but I think this time it struck me a little bit differently because when I watched the uh, 
you know, the news reports and the video, specifically the video of uh, George Floyd being murdered, um, that's within walking distance from my house. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, you know, there are uh, protests and um, uprisings happening on my street, <laughs> so, outside of where I was living. Right. So maybe maybe we could say this is your neighbor because um, yeah. Um, even Calvary Calvary Lutheran, I think, is the the church's name. Like it's just blocks away from where he was killed, and mm-hmm. and so like your neighbor was murdered. Yes. Yes, okay. he was. Um, okay. And so it. I think that's why for me, it's just, it struck me a little bit differently. And, you know, um, uh, Augsburg, we, a couple of days ago on Friday, excuse me, on Friday, we had uh, a service of lament for the death of George Floyd, um, hosted by campus ministries at Augsburg. And it was just a place for uh, students and faculty and staff to gather together and express whatever emotion that they were feeling at that moment. And just, hearing my colleagues, my close friends now and students like expressing not just anger and um, sadness, but fear, you know, fear for their, the lives of their family members, the lives of their friends for themselves, you know, and it's um, like, I, I didn't get through that. I thought, I thought maybe I would be able to get through that service without crying, but I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just, and I have mixed feelings because one, I want to be present for those protests so badly. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I want to be in solidarity with my community and I can't be there. And I'm, I'm here in Naperville and I almost feel like, should I have ever even come back here? Um, I, 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 I think that pretty frequently that I made a mistake, maybe coming back to Naperville and that I should have waited, but you know, I had no idea that this would happen. You can't Mm -hmm. see that far ahead in the future. So, um, so now I'm here and I'm trying, you know, I'm, I'm in my home community and, you know, seeing everything that's happening in Minneapolis and now all over the country. Um, I sort of look to my community and I see these, you know, news reports of, uh, hate speech being scribbled on partitions, and I say scribbled, I should say vandalized, mm-hmm. let's call it what it is, uh, vandalizing partitions in public parks, and students of local high schools taking pictures of their black peers and posting them on Craigslist and saying slave for sale. Yes. Like, these things happening while I was in Minneapolis, and now while I'm here, and I, I mean, I'm not surprised that these things are happening, because they happen all over the country. This like and, yeah, the United they, States has a really bad problem. And and always you know? has had a bad yeah. problem. Like it didn't like die uh, or go away after, you know, like after the civil rights movement or anything like that, it's still happening to this day. And yes. uh, e- even if it's in these um, uh, very small ways that maybe white people who um, can turn their 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 face another direction or not have to stand up and say something um yeah can get away with it yeah and they're i mean honest let's let's be honest like they're only small when you're seeing with the eyes of privilege right these mm-hmm. things that are happening like they're not small to communities of color that have to experience these types of um things every single day and so um 
naturally when I'm seeing all of this coming from my hometown and you just my heart in Minneapolis with everything that's going on there, I looked to our saviors and I was wondering, you know, what's my home church? What does what do they have to say about it? You know, what prayers might they be offering right now um, for the hurt that this country is feeling? And um, this is what sort of, you know, inspired my emailing you um, and the other pastors. And I just, I wanted to know, what our church had to say about it. And I was really disappointed because I couldn't find anything. You know, I, there were no um, public prayers posted on Facebook or any of the other social media platforms that I know of. And, you know, my, my focus has been on uh, Augsburg, right. As it should be. So I haven't necessarily been able to be present for um, worships uh, virtually speaking um, because I should be focused right on my internship site. Um, But, this is still my church and and it's still a source of strength and comfort for me in times of sorrow. And I was finding no comfort in this moment. And I was really sad to see that. Well, and that's why I I mean, like, I'm glad you reached out because rather than sitting in silence, like we are called to, to speak and we are your church and we are your pastors. And Mm so the first thing is uh, I'm absolutely mortified, scared, um, for my friends of African descent, for my friends of other faith communities who have in recent years uh, feel an uptick of fear uh, mm-hmm. of what could happen to them. And um, I mean, like, this is, this is real. Uh, you know, the, the events that happened in uh, Minnesota happen in other states, happen in our own state. And so I, I just, I at least have to say that, like, again, um, it scares me just as much, it angers me just as much as it angers you. Uh, part mm-hmm. of our church, the ELCA, um, has this thing called the Condemnation of White Supremacy and Racist Rhetoric that came out uh, this last year at the, the churchwide assembly that we have. And basically mm-hmm. it is a, a prayer and a commitment to, um, uh, to be a voice um, against these racist ideas and actions and, and that we have to work together to address um, white supremacy and, and racism within our own neighborhoods. And sometimes this is the hardest part. It's around our own dinner tables, uh, our, our own Thanksgiving yep. meals. And I, I think that's, as soon as I heard that challenge, like it starts at the meals that I'm at. That means I can't um, just walk away and wait for somebody else to, um, to address it. It's, it's something I'm called to do. It, it's in mm-hmm. our church, you know, mm-hmm. and that racism is, is a sin. Um, yeah, I, I think that's the, the first step is, is really finding ways for us to uh, condemn it and name and address the sin and um, share that this is not political, it, it, but it's, it's something that we need to, uh, to work together on. So that, that's, that's where I personally am at. Um, as I shared with you in, in my email reply, um, I said it was today. It's actually tomorrow. Uh, I'm on a phone call with the NAACP and other faith leaders uh, from Naperville and DuPage County because we're working mm-hmm. to um, make a statement together on this. Uh, at first, you know, some of the, 
people had said, you know, oh, they're just, you know, they don't even know what they're doing. This isn't a real thing. It might be a teenager. And then the whole group kind of revolted and said, that's a privilege to say that, you know, it's a privilege mm -hmm. to silence um, those who are fearing, you know, uh, these symbols being drawn um, there. I remember a few years ago too, when, um, these things were done to Schmoltz's Deli, there was anti-Semitic things that, uh, was spray painted on their, um, their windows as well. Like this is an issue in our hometown. Mm -hmm. And, and so we can't just ignore it and say, Oh, not here. It is here. It is happening yep. here. Um, what was her name? Sandra Bland. She was from Naperville, even though that didn't happen in Naperville. She was from Naperville, and mm -hmm. and so I mean, um, we have to um, figure out ways to care for our neighbor uh, as well. And 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 by the way, um, they 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 are not they they are us they're in our uh you know we have people a part of the um you know african descent community that are are loved members of our church valued members and um no member of our our church or world should ever have to live in fear or question about where does my church stand and so i think that's why mm -hmm. it's important for us to be um, a united voice to say this is not okay this is a sin and we need to address it with even within our own pews and especially within our own pews, right? Like yes. it's our responsibility to see the evil in ourselves and to deal with it. And, yes. you know, um, that, that's, that's going to be hard in a lot of different ways, but it mm -hmm. needs to happen. And, you know, it starts with condemning um, yeah. uh, white body supremacy and racism. It starts there. And it continues in like, okay, so we've said the words, what comes after that? You Correct. know, like well, and what, what actions are we taking? Yeah. Uh, what do you think? I mean, like what I, and for me, um, I, I also look at, there are many, um, not just other faiths that we work well together with, but denominations, other Christians. Um, and, you know, the Amy, uh, Zion Church, uh, so the American Methodist Episcopal uh, Zion Church, um, they are, um, we're in open communion with them. You know, they're predominantly a black church here in the United States. And, and they have uh, two amazing congregations very close to ours in Naperville. And, and part mm -hmm. of it might be, what can we be doing together? Not just with other Lutherans, you know, but other uh, communities that we, we can exchange pastors. We can share communion together. And when was the last time that we got together and, uh, shared and listened to their experience. And I think that might mm -hmm. be the biggest thing for me is, is I think listening is going to be key for us uh, uh, as a predominantly white community uh, to mm -hmm. listen, to, to hear how people have been affected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of it is we have to seek those resources out. We have to seek out those relationships. We can't wait for them to come to us. Um, and, you know, part of the work that I'm doing um, for myself is I'm uh, seeking out those resources and reading everything I can and being in conversation with, um, you know, leaders uh, that have things to teach me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, Bishop Curry said something really wonderful during a webinar about returning to church um, like a week ago. And he said, you know, 
we're called to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And the first, he, I'm paraphrasing, excuse me, but like one of the things that he said that stuck into my mind, he says, before we can love our neighbor as ourselves, we need to be able to see our neighbor. And before we see our neighbor, we have to see ourselves. Hmm. And that's part of the education process for me. It's like, I need to be able to see myself. I need to be able to see the things that I need to work on and my flaws and the things that I'm doing wrong that are harmful. And so that yeah. when I do enter into those conversations with, you know, um, the people of African descent who have things to teach me or people from other traditions, then I'm at least open to acknowledging what I might be doing wrong, you know? And so I can better work my way through those conversations and understand um, different perspectives other than my own. And, and, and something that I tried to say earlier, you know, Bishop Curry said when he came to our congregation a few months ago is he's like, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll come to the table, but we, we have to begin by saying there's going to be mistakes, you know, that we're not mm -hmm. going to be perfect at this. And so it's, I think it's as soon as you realize that, like, it is that I need to listen, that I need to try, that I need to be open to how I might be um, playing a part of the system that uh, oppresses another person. As soon as we can address those things and just be open to change or hearing uh, how we play a part in it and not, not go all up in arms when something is pointed out to us. I think that's where mm -hmm. change is possible. And yeah, I think your, I think your internship experience really gave you um, an eye-opening experience of what the future of the church is going to be like, which is that um, they are us and that we are going to be doing work together with a lot of people in a lot of different communities and uh, how to address this is, is extremely important. Yeah, absolutely. It it really has been um, so transformative in so many different ways. Um, and I guess like the only thing that I have to say is, you know, what are we going to do church more than words? You know, what can we do mm -hmm. together to do this work to, to spread the abundant love of God and show what kind of transformative work can be done when we allow the spirit to guide us? And well, Maybe it's maybe it's just continuing talks like this though too. And like if um, somebody who's listening to this wants to reach out to Sarah or to me or to our pastors to say, uh, yeah, something's not right here. I need to talk about this, or I need to change, or I need to read something in order to to get there. Um, I maybe let's just take this moment to say, um, Sarah, I'm going to put you on the spot. Email Sarah. <laughs> email me. Contact me and say I need to get in touch with Sarah. Because uh, we need we need other voices, I think, to help us get to those places. And um, yeah, we're it's we're not going to fix this on our own just by talking to ourselves. No, definitely not. So yeah. let's let's be in community with each other and let's let's talk. Cool. Let's talk. <laughs> so final thoughts. I'm just kind of curious about what do you see happening um, after your senior year? Do you think you'll stay around the Chicagoland area? Do you feel call to go to Europe again and do ministry there uh what what any any place you feel called um I don't know see I've I've thought so much about where I could be called and sort of where my attitude for life has always been like God will put me where I need to be 
Mm. I mean, I, I ended up in Slovakia, never planned for it, never planned to end up at LSTC. You know, I hardly even planned to end up at Augsburg, like, or Augustana, I mean, and Augsburg in general too, you know, so I am really open. Um, but I do believe that at least for my first call, I'm going to be in the Metro Chicago area because I think that that's been the decision, um, made by church leadership that all first year, uh, ordinance are going to be in their home synod. <laughs> I didn't so, know that. Yeah, it's new information, right? So I'll be in the Metro uh, Chicago area. Well, listen, I'm excited to hear that because, um, Sarah, you know how I feel about you. You and I have had a lot of conversations about your calling and just life in general. And I do think the world of you. And um, <laughs> I think the world is a better place because of you. I think people's lives are going to be deeply impacted because you care to listen to them and, and work with them. And um, I have no issues with you being in Metro Chicago. That makes our church a lot stronger. So, um, Well, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Well, and I appreciate you reaching out because we don't get to talk enough and I'm glad that you're willing to let other people listen to our conversation. And, <laughs> and I mean, like, I don't know. I think there's more that we can talk about when it comes to what's happening, but we, we need to, we need to turn to God and ask for, um, discernment on how to do more than just words, but take action and, and support and, and I go back to what does the Lord require of you, but, you know, to, to do justice, um, uh, love mercy and walk humbly with your God. And I believe that it's caring for our neighbor it's speaking up for those who are silenced. And um, I think you're calling us to do the right thing. So I appreciate you for kind of uh, um, calling out your church and saying, where are we at? And I, I love that our response is we're at this together and, and we're not doing enough and we're going to continue to work until, um, um, all of our neighbors feel safe, no matter who they are. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if you've been wondering where our podcasts are, it is a little difficult to record while at home. So if you're waiting for Marnie to interview other people, we're, we're probably still a few more weeks away. I think she wants to enter close to phase four or be having indications so we can be in a safe split space place together. Uh, the same as with Taco about God. Adam got a new job. Dave is working hard and I'm still working from home, but starting in um, this new, this new season uh, in the month of June, I'll be having more time at church. And so um, as we're able to have small gatherings at our saviors, um, I look forward to doing it safely. Right now it is 10 or less. Um, but if, if you are listening and you need to have a conversation, then we can guarantee that it's done in a safe way. I would love to see you. I miss the church. I miss being uh, the church together, but I'm, I'm grateful for technology and how we can still do church this time during podcasts and videos and everything. So, uh, Sarah, thank you so, so much today for joining me. Thank you for having me. All right. I'll talk to you guys very soon. All right. Bye.